Good morning, everybody. How you doing? All right. Good. Well, today we are continuing this whole Better Together series. We look into the book of Ephesians and how God has been, you know, speaking to these people of Ephesus. And, you know, today as we're getting into this, we think about our life. Sometimes we feel feelings of anxiety, feelings of, of worry, stress. You know, sometimes even fear. Often when we're thinking about the future, we're thinking about what's going to happen in my life. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me. And even if we think about the bigger things of what's going to happen in my faith and all of this, like my salvation and eternity. And sometimes we have fear and worry and all this that that builds up. And as we think about that, I just want to tell a little bit of a story of something that just happened with me this last like week and a half or so. And it was, uh, if you can see just like a little bit of, uh, kind of a little scarring underneath my eye, or if you read the, like the little pastor email this week that we sent out, uh, I had this, I had some skin cancer under my eye and had surgery to have it removed. And it was just, not like a bad one, basal cell. It's not like the fast spreading kind of thing. And you don't have to worry. Everything's fine. And, but within all of that, I was just kind of going into this thinking it was actually like, I really no big deal. Like, okay, you got to get this removed. It was close to my eyes. So that was part of the, you know, like kind of part of what made it a little bit more complicated, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried about it. I was just kind of going into it like, okay, this is something you got to take care of. Right. And so then I go to the pre-op appointment just a few days before the surgery and I'm talking to the doctor and I remember even asking like, hey, so the, so it was two surgeries. One was on Wednesday where they remove it. And then on Thursday is where they were going to close it up. And so they had to have a special doctor that was an ophthalmologist, plastic surgeon, because of the location close to your eye. There's all sorts of weird muscles and stuff in there they got to be careful about. Actually, the exact same doctor that Matt Doan had when he had a similar thing like this a few years back. Uh, and so we are we are brothers in eye skin cancer together. Uh, but... <laughs> but now, so I go to this pre-op appointment and I was like, hey, you know, there's a, a meeting, there's an elder meeting that Thursday night. And I was like, yeah, so there's a meeting on Thursday night. I was like, hoping you think I can go to that probably? And he goes, <laughs> and kind of laughed. Like, yeah, and it's like, no, no, I normally tell people to take about a week off after this procedure. And so I was going to this all like no big deal. And then as he said that, all of a sudden I was like, huh? And I got that little bit of that feeling like, oh, this is no big deal. But just like a little bit of a feeling of worry starts anxiety, you know, like, oh, this is this is more than I thought it was, right? And so then uh, even I, I remember, um, then I went to the actual surgery on the where they were going to close it. And I don't know why I didn't know this. This is my fault probably. But uh, they, they said, yeah, so we're going to have to like put you out all the way asleep for this procedure. And I was like, oh gosh, I don't know. I don't know why. I just wasn't thinking about that. And it was just like, okay. And so I felt like another layer of anxiety, you know, like, oh wow. Uh, okay, uh, this is bigger than I thought it was and then the same thing when the bandage fell off you have to after it's all done and you have to just like let the the bandage just naturally fall off like after a shower or whatever and then after the bandage fell off and it was a week ago today on sunday and i looked at it and i was like oh gosh <laughs> it looks terrible you know and i was just thinking like oh no and i'm super happy because now actually a week later everything kind of looks it looks good like it's healing well and all that but at the same time when i saw it i was just like oh i'm not gonna be this this grotesque, disfigured human for the rest of my life. And you're like, you already were. But no, uh, you know, it's just, that's, that's how I, you know, it was funny just how it was like building over each little thing. And it was just sort of that feeling of anxiety because I feel like I wasn't 
prepared or I wasn't able to control this situation or, you know, the, those sorts of feelings creeping in and, and that sort of worry. But then, you know, everything's fine. I'm good. I got it all out. Nothing, nothing to fear. And, and I'm feeling good. But like within all that, you know, just considering where we have feelings when we aren't prepared for something or we're worried about the future and we have that, that anxiety or that stress or even fear with some bigger issues of life, of what is going to happen. You know, it's interesting that uh, Dustin Hoffman, this like major famous actor, two-time Oscar winner, he's, he's 77 years old now, Dustin Hoffman. And he was just had an interview about a month ago where he was talking about as this, this guy that's done so many films and, you know, these iconic roles. And he was just talking about how he has a lot of worry about his future in his career <laughs> at 77 and as this like accomplished actor and feeling worried about the next part or if he's going to blow his legacy or things like, you know, all those sorts of worries. And so anxiety and worry, it's not, you know, about the future it isn't something only for the young or the middle or, or the old. It's something that's common or only for people who aren't successful. It's also, you know, for those who are very successful in their careers. And uh, I thought this was interesting because I think that it has to do with how we feel equipped. There was this, this thing that according to Amazon, okay, according to Amazon, the most highlighted passage in any book on Kindle, okay, now just, just on Kindles, like Amazon doesn't yet have the ability to take tiny drones into your house and observe you highlighting regular books. I think they will soon, but not quite yet, right? But um, they, according, only on Kindles, so they have stats, actually, that they can... <laughs> They can keep track of who has highlighted what passage in, in different books. Now, the most highlighted passage in any book, and it's twice as many as the second place passage, was not from some like old classic or kind of a book you'd expect students to be reading in schools or something like that. But it was actually from the second installment in the Hunger Games trilogy. Okay, Now, from the Hunger Games is a passage that says this, just this. Because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. That passage. Most highlighted passage of any book on Kindle. Because sometimes things happen to people and we're not equipped to deal with them. Because when we are not equipped to deal with things in our life, we start to stress. We start to worry and that anxiety and fear and that insecurity can build up. In us. And so this passage of scripture that we're going to look at today in Ephesians 1, it gives us so much encouragement and so much hope when we feel insecure about the biggest issues of this life when it comes to how we'll spend eternity and how we live our life of purpose. Uh, God is speaking to us about this here when he talks about this sealing of the Holy Spirit. So let's read Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. You've got notes in the bulletin too. The, the passage is right there. Just two short verses as, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about the Father and our adoption as his children. And then we talked about Jesus last week and just the, his riches of grace that he's lavished upon us. And then now we get into the Holy Spirit. And it says this. In him, Christ, in Christ... You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So we've we've heard the gospel, we've heard the good news. And then it says now, having also believed. Okay, so now we're at that point of conversion, salvation. Having also believed, you were sealed in him 
with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. All right. So God is speaking to these people in this place, Ephesus which is in Asia Minor, that region on the right of the screen. And he's speaking to these people who are Gentiles, who are, you know, these people that are just growing up in this area under the whole Roman rule and the influence of the Greek gods. And he's speaking to them in the midst of, of their mindset of thinking that, okay, I have to live my life to appease the gods. And, you know, I could fall out of favor with the gods if I don't do everything right or don't make enough sacrifices to them. And then I can gain favor with them, but I could fall out of favor again. And so they're, they're in that mindset. And then he says to them, you are in Christ and you are sealed and secure by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And there he's giving this message to them that, hey, you don't fall out of favor and you don't gain favor. You are secure and you are safe in him. And so these people living in this place, there's this message to them to feel secure in the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to feel that same kind of security. To you today, just to be like, ah, okay, I am secure because the Holy Spirit has sealed me. And I want to explain a little bit more, okay, what in the world does this whole thing mean to be sealed by the Holy Spirit? It says, again, verse 13, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, so when are you sealed? You are sealed at the point of belief. Now we have to remember, okay, in that first century mindset, that belief and action are always together, that you do not, it would be completely illogical for you to believe something and then not do anything about that, not live your life in a way that lives out that belief, right? We've talked about this and that's the core of what we need to understand. That doesn't mean that our actions or the way we live then saves us. That's not at all what we're saying. But you would never, and we should have that same logic, the same logic should apply today, that we would not believe something and then not act according to that belief. It should make no sense to us. However, many people say, I believe in Jesus, and yet don't do anything about it, right? And so we don't want to have those kinds of lives. But at that point of belief for them, that's the point of conversion. And for us, okay, that we believe and we are sealed. So when we are saved, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Actually, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Okay, and so at that moment, we have been sealed and secured by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love that 2 Corinthians 1.21 that you see on the screen. It's almost the exact same verse of Ephesians 1.13 to 14 that we've been reading. It says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So we have been sealed in that moment. And God... God wants to protect us. He even, he even says in, in 14 that we are like God's own possession. That you also, you Gentiles also, we are all God's possession. You know, that He cares for us. And when I hear that, I actually, I hear a lot of love and care in that. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, my wife B, her, her grandfather, 
uh, this like old German, I mean, he's actually passed on now, but he was, he was old even when I met him for the first time. And he was an immigrant from Germany who still like kind of barely spoke English, even to the point when he uh, passed away. But he just had this beautiful, like beautiful, rich accent. And he would call his family, those that he loved. And you kind of knew, I knew I was in with him when he called me this. And he would say, mein Schatzi. And he'd go, oh, Schatzi, darling. Like is the way he would say. And what that means, Schatzi means my treasure. And it's just this way, this like term of endearment of, you are my treasure. I, we, I treasure you as this person in my family. And, and that's how I hear God when he says, my own possession. Like, you are my treasure. God's speaking that way to you, that I care for you. And because of that love for you, I seal you and secure you. And I've given you this gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what does this mean, this whole thing, to be sealed? It's a little... Odd, like we don't really think of it of things in this way. I don't think in this language to be sealed. But um, you know, I, what we think about is like a jar. Okay, there's a jar, and the jar is Christ. Because it says that we are sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you've got Christ as the jar. We are in the jar. We are in Christ, and then the Holy Spirit seals it. Right. So the Holy Spirit keeps us in there, right? So you don't shake it and it all spills out. But we are held secure and sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And it's like a, a jar that has been sealed tight. You know, I know like that's why jars are so hard to open. They're sealed tight. And I know even like this week, uh, my wife came to me and was like, she just like, it's like mason jar, everything in my house. She's not here, so she can't like make fun of me about or get mad at me for making fun of her about this. But everything's mason jars. It's just like everything. And uh, so she wanted me to open a mason jar for her uh, that she had sealed quite tightly. And now another weird thing about this whole surgery was like they told me you're not supposed to lift anything for two weeks over 10 pounds. Like even yesterday, I was at this park outreach for our Hispanic church, uh, planting a church in Santa Ana, and I carried like two folding chairs, like under each arm, you know, like you would just carry some folding chairs, and I carried them like 50 feet, and like also my, it just hurt super bad just to carry these two, these four dumb chairs, and I was just like, ah, this is so weird, like why does this hurt, this is annoying, and I just want to live my life, and you know, and so then I'm asked by my wife to open this jar, and it's like, oh, I gotta open this jar, you know, no matter what, I gotta open this jar, and so I don't know if you've ever tried to open a jar without using your eye muscle. It's a very strange process. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just a weird thing to think about. But uh, I was able to do it and, you know, kept my husbandly uh, duties intact, even though I'm injured and wounded. But anyway, you know, those jars are sealed tight. It's like a, like a Snapple bottle where you want to open that bottle and you want to hear that little, you know, that little pop when you open it, right? Like, or else... Don't be drinking that Snapple, you know, it's not sealed. And, you know, these are like canning jars that you would, you, you don't just close them, you seal them. And there's this whole elaborate process of doing that. And then, you know, this is the ultimate, right? Where you got the water bottle. If it doesn't have that little thing attached still, you know, you're definitely going to die of poison or something. Right. And, and then like, would you ever use an, if you bought a brand new bottle of Advil or something and it didn't have that little silver thing on top, right? I'd be like, no way I'm not using that thing. It's like. Halloween poison all over it or whatever, you know, you're, you're dead. And so, um, you know, that's where, too, like the space shuttle, as it connects to the space station, and it's, you see in the movies where it's, you know, and it like seals shut and they can finally go through the passage. Like you want to make sure that is sealed or you're dead. And so that's, you know, these sorts of things when we think about sealed, we want to be secure and sealed and protected that we would often not do something if the seal has been broken. And so we wonder, 
you know, like, are we really secure? Are we really protected? And people in life, we, we don't just take people at their word, even though we might want to say, oh yeah, I trust people or whatever. No, we don't. Like we, we want things in writing, right? We want contracts. We don't, we want to be, have a guarantee or a warranty or, you know, all of that. And so in life, we people, we want that sort of assurance of like, no, I got to see it in writing, you know, and that's how we can feel that a pledge or a, a promise is real and we can be assured of it. Well, God, he would hope that our word or his word can be enough for us. But what is so awesome is that God in his love and in his grace upon us, he says, okay, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I'll give you this extra like promise. I am promising this to you, but I'm going to give you this, this seal of the Holy Spirit that you would know that you're secure. That you would know that you could be assured of your salvation. That you would know that I'm with you as my Holy Spirit indwells you as a believer. And there's some uh, interesting passages, too, I love that just speak to how the promises of God work in our lives. That we can feel secure in them. Hebrews 6, 13 to 18. You can just follow along on the screen with some of these. This is kind of a long passage. But it says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater... He swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. Okay, so that oath is like, okay, now we don't argue about it. Okay, it's it's true. And then it says, in the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, he interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. So it's just all this language of like, God will not lie. God will not change in this promise. You can feel secure in the promise that he has given because he wants to give it so that you would be encouraged and have hope in this life. And then 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. Okay, so here even is that we don't save ourselves, and so I feel like so much less anxiety or worry because it's not me that has to do anything in this, right? It's just receiving a gift that is given. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance, which check out all these words he gives, it's just like so strong, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by what? By the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so God gives all this assurance that it is not up to you, that you don't do anything, that you are in the spirit, that you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. And guess what? He does. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in you at the point of your salvation. And that our body, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6, is a temple. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit dwells within that temple who's in you, that you are not your own. 
So you don't do anything to earn that ceiling. So that should make you feel better about it. Okay. If you had to do stuff to earn it, you would feel bad about it. So you don't have to do things like you don't have to join a life group to earn your ceiling of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to the reach fair and go sign up at a bunch of tables to serve to earn the protection and security of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to, you know, show up here on Sundays to earn that protection of the Holy Spirit. Now, however, we think those are good things to do. That's only that's why we would encourage you to do them. It helps to further the gospel and the further the kingdom of God and it helps you to grow and, and we're better together and all that kind of stuff, right? But that does not earn your ceiling, that it is a gift of God that is given at that point of salvation and you are held secure. Now, the whole thing of, uh, we talked about Snapple bottles and space shuttles and all that, but really this, this terminology of the ceiling of the Holy Spirit comes from, uh, in that day, would be a, a signet ring that was held by the king or somebody in some form of authority. It could be, uh, you know, a lot of different roles, everything from just a business person to, you know, some sort of governor or king or whatever. But let's just talk like a king for now. Uh, this king has a ring with their king's symbol on it that only the king would have. And so then you would then, the king would then seal, put his seal with wax uh, melt the wax and then put the signet ring into that wax to make that that his seal upon that it would be sealed closed and it would have the symbol of his seal on that uh, wax and so you'd have that on those different documents and you can kind of see a little glimpse of of how that works or you melt the wax down to close the envelope or the document and then they put the the signet ring onto that that wax as the seal so that's where this this language comes from and the, there, there's a few things that we can learn, four things that we can learn really about God's seal upon us, the seal of the Holy Spirit, from, from this sort of thinking. And there's, uh, it signifies four things, I would say. First would be security, okay? That we are held secure by this seal. Now, even the tomb of Christ was sealed and it was, had the seal of Pontius Pilate upon that. That if that were then to be broken, it could not be broken without permission from Pilate. Now, Jesus didn't care about Pilate's permission, so he came back to life, right? And, and came out and broke that seal. But, like, the, the Daniel and the lion's den story, even the lion's den is, is closed and it had the seal of the king upon it. Now, that's, that it would be secure until it would be at a point where then that permission was given to open it. It is, it's also a, it signifies authenticity, okay? That when you have that seal on a letter, it would, in, it would authenticate who that letter is from. And so for us, we have God's stamp upon us. And we are then authenticated as being His, being from God, that we are citizens of His kingdom. The third thing is ownership. So again, like that we are His, that we have His stamp upon us to show that we belong to God. They would put these seals onto deeds of ownership of a piece of land or something like that, where that seal would show who owns it or who has authorized that ownership. And so we are owned by God. And then it's just, as I said, authorized. The last one is authority. 
authority. The seal shows the authority. So someone might even have a decree or something that has been given, like an order from the king. And if it has the king's seal upon it, that person then goes out in the authority of the king because they are bearing the seal, you know, with them. And so for us, that sealing of the Holy Spirit, it is not just that we would feel safe and secure, but it is that we would have marching orders, that we are stamped with the seal of God, that we are going out under his authority to make an impact on the world, not through our power or our authority, but through his. So when we step out and we step out in service or we step out to proclaim the truth of who God is or to tell others about him, we are stepping out under that authority of God and not ourselves. So that's what the seal of the Holy Spirit signifies in our life. And and so we want to then live our lives in that sort of way that we know even with that, that we are all stamped with that seal, that you would look to the left and you'd look to the right. And that all of us believers have been stamped with the seal of the Holy Spirit. And we are together in that with the same king, the same authority sending us out on our on our marching orders. And we would know that as we even consider that this perfect community that we can have with Christ in the future, in eternity, is something that we have a glimpse of now. We have a glimpse of that now. One, one note to make here is that now sin has an effect on all of this. Okay? Sin, what sin does is sin is an effort to feel secure in anything other than God. Okay? And one thing that sin is, sin is an effort to feel secure in anything other than God. Because God wants us to only feel secure in Him. To find our security in Him. So that's where when we have certain things that might not seem like sins, or the Bible doesn't say are sins, but actually can be. I mean, so you could... Something like shopping, okay? Like if we find, you know, security in shopping, then shopping is a sin because we found our security in something other than God. That's where you have something like drinking alcohol, okay? Without getting drunk, that's not a sin, right? It's not, the Bible does not say that's a sin. However, if you drink alcohol to find your security or your comfort or your fulfillment in some way, then now you're finding security in something other than God and it has become a sin, Okay, do you understand? I mean, it could be watching TV. It could be whatever. Okay, it could be, you know, it, it could be a lot of things. It could be doing good works for, for that matter. Okay? So we want to be aware of how we let something other than God give us our security. So we, first off, we want to feel secure because we have the, the power that sealed the Holy Spirit upon our lives. And the second thing we want you to feel today is I want you to feel passionate. To feel passion because of the pledge of our inheritance. And I want to explain this a bit, okay? That this, this pledge, it talks about the Holy Spirit is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view or a glimpse to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. And so we have this whole thing that this, the Holy Spirit is a seal, but also a pledge and a pledge of, of the future that we have with him. This inheritance that we are, that we are given because of who we are as sons and daughters of the king. Right. And so what the, what this is talking about is it's kind of like the Holy Spirit being given to us by God in this way. It's like a, a down payment or it's like a. Uh, maybe like an engagement ring, as it says here, that we are the church as the bride of Christ. We know that there is something more to come, but we are given a glimpse 
into it now. Okay, or a foretaste. And that's why I like that, that great hymn, Blessed Assurance. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Right? That, that line where we have this chance to be able to get kind of a sneak peek into what will take place in the future. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5 says this. Great passage. It says, For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, okay, our, our bodies, that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Okay? As a pledge. That we know that with this thing of a pledge, that means we have something now, but there's more to come. Okay? Something now, but more to come. And so, what are some some foretastes, you know, or these kind of previews? For me, I was thinking about this, and I, I thought about... You know, this new Star Wars Episode 7 movie is coming out in December. And I remember when I first saw the preview or the trailer, right? And it first came on the screen. I was like, <gasps> kind of like, whoa, hold on. Shh. You know, like, shut up, everybody. Like, I'm just, I was like, this is crazy. And it looks actually good. It's not going to be like those other ones. It's going to be good. I can tell. You know, and I was like, yes. And I was locked into it. And I started to get pumped up, right? Like, Yes, this is awesome. I'm so pumped for this. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I, I had this little taste of it, and it was good, but I know I'd rather see the whole movie that's coming out in December, and then I started to think about plans. Like, how can I plan for it? And I'll see it when it comes out, but then me and my brother-in-law were like, okay, we got to con our, our wives into letting us take the kids, and you know, I, we're going to do this again, and so we're thinking about all these plans and ways that we can go and, and, and see this movie, right? And so I had this little taste of it. I was excited for what was to come. Or, or imagine you're going on a trip to Hawaii, right? Paradise. And it's like, awesome, right? Great, we get to go to Hawaii. So you, you know, like maybe you're online and you've been researching and you, you finally find the hotel you're going to go to and they've got a video on the website of what the hotel's like. And so you're watching the video and you're like, oh, there's, look at the beach, you know? Look at the pool, look at the other pool, you know? Check out the gardens, check out our room, check out the lobby. Oh my gosh, it's so awesome, I can't wait, right? And so you're watching this and you're just getting excited and pumped up because you you got a taste of it. But man, you get to go. And you get to go to Hawaii. And so then you begin to work and you begin to prepare and plan for this trip to Hawaii. And it's going to be awesome. You've had a taste, but you know there's so much more to come. That the preview or that video, it gets you pumped. And so what I want for us is that in this life, we've been given the Holy Spirit to dwell within us as a pledge of the future, of what we will have in heaven or in the new earth as we spend eternity with God. And I want us to get pumped up, you know? Let's go. Let's do this. Like, we get to live our lives with a glimpse into this incredible future we have with God, but we have this now, that we can be living for Christ now and, and increase that taste they increase that experience that we have. Dallas Willard says that we're actually in heaven now because wherever the presence of God is, that's heaven. And the presence of God is here with us. But you know what? We've got so much more of heaven to come, right? So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's in the future, but it's also now. And that's this whole now, not yet kind of theology thing that there is that we have this glimpse 
But we have more to look forward to. But that more to look forward to shouldn't make us kind of sit around and not do anything. That more to look forward to should get us ready and pumped up to go do it. That we should have a passion to serve together because of it. Because of that pledge. Because of what God has done. That we have a passion to serve now according to our unique spiritual gifts. These gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit at the same point that we are sealed, okay? At that point of conversion, we are sealed and secure, but we are also given gifts by God that we can then use for Him. We are not given these gifts as like some sort of cool toy that people don't open, but they save to be wrapped later to sell. As a little kid, I was like, that's the stupidest thing I could ever think of, you know? Like, I did not care at all about, like, saving something to make money off of it. I wanted to play with my toy, you know? You got the toy to be used, okay? Don't put it away safe. You've been given a gift by God to be used for his glory, for his kingdom, not to just sort of keep safe and, you know, like protected and not, you know, not get it dirty or something. No, no. Our church, our church, the church, the big C church and this then ch- local church, Calvary Church, we are like, we are called by God to fulfill his kingdom purposes in this world by using our spiritual gifts. And I think often what we are like is like a wine cellar that is full of some of the most, the, the most expensive, wonderful vintages of wine that we would leave down there and never open ever, right? We want to be men and women who take it out and the blessings of God can go over the earth with the gifts that he has given us. We are called to reach out, to serve. And so we would have something like this reach fair in the lobby, you know, today to show you some opportunities that you can serve God here at Calvary and serve one another, serve others in our local community and serve people around the world. Like we have these opportunities so that you can then use the gifts that God has given you to make an impact in the world for his kingdom. That's what it's about. So I hope that you are filled with a sense of passion, right? To feel that. Not just feel secure, but because we do. And like, oh, thank God I feel secure in what in that ceiling of the Spirit. But I also want to just feel called, feel passionate to go out and make an impact for Him in the world. Now, we also want to feel passionate to, a passion to worship the glory of God for who He is. It says that, it says in the end of that, that we would have, that we would praise God, praise to the glory of God. All this comes down to praise of God. As so we want to worship Him. We worship Him with our lives. We worship Him with our songs. We worship Him with our giving. We worship Him with the way we love one another, the way we treat each other. You know, we worship God in all sorts of different ways. We're worshiping God right now as we're listening and growing in Him, but we want to live a life of worship. But even as we do worship here, as we sing, like may we sing passionately because we know that God has sealed us and God has gifted us and God has filled us and he holds us and he loves us and he thinks of us as his treasure. And so hopefully you are filled with that sense today of ways that you can live this out. And so what we want to do is, you know, it's this whole better together series. This, you know, this is not just Ephesians, but it's better together in this way that we can, you know, really like learn more and more of how can we 
you know, do this together. This is all about we, not just me. And so we want to give opportunities to be able to discuss, to be able to talk about this. And so we're all, you know, we all got our little name tags on, or most of us, most likely, and it's okay if you don't. But what we want to do is just have these times each week to be able to talk to one another. And now it's a glimpse, right? It's a foretaste of what a real conversation could look like because it's three or four minutes. And so you're going to get a glimpse of a conversation that could be fulfilled at lunch later today. I don't know, you know, so, you know, think of it that way of how you can just get it. This is a glimpse of what a real good conversation can be. But we want you to be able to, to actually get to know some people around you, not just shake their hand and not even say your name, but get to know each other, share your name, share who you are a little bit, and then talk about this stuff. And so we have this question up here of, is there a specific cause or area which God has given you a unique passion for? Is there a way you're currently serving in your area of using your spiritual gifts? And then if not, is there a way you'd like to get involved? And it's also okay for it to be like, you know what? I don't know. I have no idea. What's a spiritual gift? Like, that's cool. Like, just talk, talk about that, you know, and talk about uh, that together, kind of wherever you're at. And it's like we all come as we are to that conversation. So what I'd love for you to do is we'll all stand up. And go with like three, four people. Don't just go with the person next to you, but go with three or four people and then talk about this. Ready? Go for it. 